Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. And guys, you know that on this show, we talk to game changers and today's thought leaders. And the gentleman that we have on today is both. He's definitely changing the game. So I just want to thank our sponsors first uh, and say thank you for sponsoring the show. Without you, we would not be where we are. Uh, War Cry Apparel. If you guys love working out, if you like guys like getting jacked, but you want to look good while working out, definitely check out War Cry Apparel. And they are a veteran-owned company that also gives back to the veterans and in our in our cities and states. Guys, this is going to be a great episode. Um, this gentleman's career I have actually followed since he was in uh, in college in Kentucky, and how what an amazing player he was in the NFL, and even better things that he's doing out of the uniform. And he's a two-time. Amazon best-selling author. Um, his book is amazing. I love it. I just picked it up last week and read, and I loved it. So, Reggie Rusk, my brother, how are you today? I am doing awesome. How about you? Oh, man. You know what? Every day God gives me is a good day. Exactly. If I get to wake up then I'm and I'm able to help somebody else, then I'm having an amazing day. Yes, what about sir. How was your weekend? Oh, man, it was good. It was filled with uh, seven-on-seven tournaments. Um, I think my kids almost gave me an early stroke. Uh, you know, when you're in the heat of battle competition and you're trying to teach these kids, uh, you know, how to play the game, um, it can get kind of stressful, but it's it's definitely rewarding. Now, I got to say, you know, I'm, I've been, like I said, I followed you from from college. And the reason why I followed you, I start because I started hearing about this kid that was changing the culture of the football team in Kentucky. Because everybody knew at one time Kentucky was just basketball, but when you got when you got there, you started changing changing the game. So that's why I started following you because I knew you were a total game changer. So uh, tell us a little bit about you know your upbringing because you you're you know a lot of people's paths that'll go straight up. But yours went up, down, left, right. It went all different ways that you would never expect for you, the man that you are today. So tell us a little bit about little Reggie. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, I, I grew up in, in uh, Lamarck, Texas, and uh, grew up in a single parent household. And uh, a lot of things I had to learn just just based off of experience and just going through it. And 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 like you said, those roller coasters. I think that's life. But I uh, grew up and sports was the outlet that kind of helped me separate myself from some of my friends. Um, I had guys that I grew up with that, you know, you hear the story all the time. It's kind of cliche, but you have friends that went to jail. You have friends that are now deceased, um, you know, and those were the, the, you know, some of the friends that I had. You know, some of them went to jail and some of them were murdered. And uh, I chose sports to be my outlet, and I was able to go out there and compete at a high level. Um, I, I lettered in uh, three different sports. I ran track, played basketball, and, of course, football. And uh, it was funny, the fact that in high school I had no offers and going into my senior year. And 
we switched coaches going into my senior year. So we, we got a new coach. And at the end of that year, he called me into his office and, you know, he just sit, sat me down and said, you know, I, I love your leadership. I love the person that you are. You don't get in trouble. Everybody respects you. Everyone likes you. And you're a hell of a football player. What do you think about playing at the next level? And up until that point, I had never had that conversation with anyone before. And um, I think just being a young kid, naive, you know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, I I'd love to play because the opportunity was in California, San Francisco, California. And um, having that conversation, I think really changed me because that was the first time I had that conversation and I never looked at myself in that light. I just wanted to go out and compete and play at a high level, not knowing or thinking that it's gonna take, take me to you know, a school out in California. And uh, when I got out there, um, Coach George Rush, man, he, he just took me under his wing and mentored me more so like a father figure opposed to just a coach. And that too kind of helped transform the person and the man that I am today because, you know, I looked at him as the father figure and he, he explode, um, he actually exposed me to things that I had never uh, been exposed to like entrepreneurship and, um, uh, camping. I still remember going camping for the first time. And he took me and a, a few of the other guys that were from out of state, took us camping. And it really uh, changed the way that we looked at things. Um, and so when I got into coaching, I modeled my coaching after those those men who looked at the kids as people, not just commodities, not Yeah, I think your phone locked, so we can't. If your phone locks, it'll kind of blur, blur us out a little bit. Oh no, oh. It, it's a weird thing that it just. I didn't even pay attention to that. Okay, um, yeah. So you know, going there really helped me become a man. It, it really helped me grow up. I was away from home. I didn't have money, so you know, we had to really rough it, and and, and but it it really. Uh, defined who I was as a person. And um, when I got the opportunity to be recruited by several um, big time college football uh, organizations or colleges, it just changed me. And, uh, you know, I always had a chip on my shoulder that that part wasn't changed, but it just allowed me to grow as a person. And when I got to Kentucky, it was kind of rough because I, I thought I was going in to be, you know, at least be able to compete to be a starter um, and my whole entire junior year, I was just uh, a backup role and I played special teams and I was, wasn't happy about it because I knew that I was talented enough to be on the field. And I used that as a lightning rod to uh, really propel me going into my senior year. So that was the first time that I had fa faced that type of adversity because I've always been a starter and um, you know, I could have, tuck my tail and ran and quit or whatever the case may be. I chose to write some goals down. I chose to work a little harder and I chose to watch film on every, the guy that was in front of me. And uh, those things just totally made a, a, a complete difference 
for me in my playing career. And uh, my senior year, you know, I, I led the SEC in solo tackles. Um, you know, I, I was a leader on the team and uh, got some uh, looks at the NFL and was invited to the combine, which, you know, if you get invited to the combine, you know, all you got to do is go in there and compete and, and take that opportunity. So and that, that's what I did. You know, and I and I grew up, you know, because that's where I'm from, South Carolina. I'm a, I'm a Gamecock, so I kind of felt your pain a couple times because uh, you, you you just crushed a lot. You, you're a, you were a great cornerback. Uh, so what was it like going to the combine, and then you know you're seeing all these amazing players, and then you see some you know cornerbacks uh, that are you know six one, six two. What what was your thoughts, you know, coming in at five ten? Yeah, I mean, it 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 is intimidating. It is it's very intimidating when you see guys that are six one, six two play the same position as you. But I think when you're a competitor, when the lights come on, everybody's the same size to you. You know what I mean? It, it's it's it that that light switch goes off in your head and you forget about all of that. Um, when you're in a, a situation like at the combine, yes, you're able to see those guys that are, that are bigger, that are stronger, that are faster, um, because it's, you know, it's, it's just, uh, measurements. And, and what I used to do, I used to play a mind hack on myself. When I was in high school, I was about 510, 170 pounds, but I, you know, they had me playing middle linebacker. And they played me a middle linebacker because I was probably one of the toughest kids on the team by far. So what I my mind hack was I would tell myself that I'm 6'2", 200 pounds. And every every time I put those pads on, I believed that. So I never um, let my size, you know, keep me from excelling, even though people were probably bigger than me. I, I always felt like I played faster I played I was stronger those were the things that I I call it a mind hack you tell yourself these things and then you start to believe those things and you can go out and crush whatever it is that you're doing and you know when you were playing you you reminded me of one of my favorite players of all time Daryl Green because he just had that never quit attitude you know he played like he was six five and he was still, even at advanced age, he was still the fastest guy on the team. And I think a lot of it had to do with his mind, but I also had to do with his faith. And I, you were one of the guys that, that kind of reminded me of that. So what was it like getting drafted to Tampa? You know, it was, it was, um, it was surreal. You know, when I got the phone call, I, you know, I, I was predicted, you know, fourth round to free agency. And, um, you know, back then, it was a lot different than how it is now. And, and the, the guys have so much TV time and things of that nature. So I didn't even see my name go across the screen, but I got the call from coach Dungy from Tampa Bay. And, um, I, you know, I was happy. I was happy. I, 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 I never look at things. Um, I never let things be bigger than what they are, you know? So I just looked at it as an opportunity, opportunity for me to continue to play opportunity for me to be in the NFL, but um, I didn't let it get too big. Uh, so when I got the call, I was excited. I was happy, but, you know, I wasn't – I'm always kind of even kill. Um, so I didn't get overly excited. I was just – that's great, you know. That was 
all of this hard work that I put in, um, someone took notice of it and uh, have given me another opportunity. So that's how I kind of looked at it. Now, was Mr. Dungy, because I respect that man so much, was was he a, a mentor when you got to the yeah, team? Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, we had an all-star coaching staff. You know, you had Lovey Smith, you had Herm Edwards, you had Tony Dungy, um, uh, was Lane Kiffin, uh, well, actually his dad, Kiffin, uh, Money Kiffin. So when you look at that coaching staff, that that we didn't know it at the time, but that just became a, a world-class coaching staff. And they were players' coaches. You could, you know, I could come to Herm and ask him a question, and he was always available. And I was a young, young guy and really not that technically sound. Um, so I earned, you know, practice squad that first year because I, I went in hard nosed, but I still had some learning and, and to do because I had never really played corner like that. I, I was mostly um, at safety. So, like I said, you know, I look at things that I, as opportunities and all of us get opportunities. But what are you going to do with that opportunity when, when you get there? Like I could have went there, partied and hung out and all of those things. But um, I always remain level headed and asked questions of my coaches and found things that I was weak at at the time. And uh, I wanted to work and perfect that craft. So. You know, being there, Coach Dungy was definitely a role model. He was the kind of man that you want to idolize yourself or mimic yourself as, um, as when you know when you grow and become a man. And you had some great players on that defense, and you had you know some uh, like I said, that was one of the probably one of the best defenses that I've ever watched. And I'm sure that the meeting rooms had to be pretty interesting at times. Yeah, I mean, they were uh, all about the details. You know, that's what that whole organization with Coach Dungy. Coach Dungy wanted to come in. Tampa was a losing organization. So our first year, we had those old uh, popsicle-looking colors, and he came in. He changed that. So my second year, um, they had another great draft class. That's with uh, Ward Dunn and Mike Allstott, and they changed the uniforms. And when you change, when you make that type of change, you change mindsets. And that's what they did. They came in, they changed mindsets. They were uh, sticklers on the details. And that's why you saw that defense so detailed, everyone doing their job. And that's why it was so great. So, no, you know, I'm, I'm sure you said, you know, you've, you've learned a lot. But then you also had, unfortunately, you had to learn that. Um, NFL is a business. So when they had you move on to the Seattle Seahawks, what was that like? What, how was that coaching staff? Oh, uh, it was good. Um, you know, it was a little different. I, I had to make a decision. Um, you know, I could have stayed in Tampa. Um, they actually said that they wanted me to stay. I just felt like, you know, I that second year I beat uh, Runday out for the fourth corner uh, starting spot. And I felt like I worked my butt off and, you know, I got caught up in the politics, you know, you know, we want to see what Ronde can do. And, and yeah. you know, who knew that he was going to be a potential Hall of Famer? I think he did make Hall of Fame this year, but 
um, you know, at the time I was I was uh, disappointed because I felt like I I outworked everybody that that was there. You know, I just felt like that. So um, I was faced with a decision. Do I stay there, which they said they still wanted me to stay there? Or do I take this new opportunity and go to Seattle? And uh, I believe in when opportunity comes, it comes because God has intersected your life for that particular reason. If Seattle wouldn't have come up, I would have stayed in Tampa and, and you, I just let that happen. But when God gave me that opportunity, I said, I'm going to take this opportunity because it, it must be there for a reason. So, um, you know, that's what I did. I chose to go to Seattle um, and start over. And you did, and you, you, you did well again, because I, and I think a lot of it is, is your mindset. You have that never quit, never give up mindset. And, you know, there's, there's been a lot of the play uh, players, obviously, because, you know, you've been in the league that, you know, they say that, you know, hard work that hard work beats talent that doesn't work hard. You know, there's been so many people that have played in the NFL It's just, they did not put in the work and they did not pay attention to details. So do you think that's why you lasted six seasons in the NFL? Because you pay attention to details and you work hard. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So then you went to San Diego. Uh, Obviously San Diego is a beautiful part of the part of the country. How'd you enjoy San Diego? I love San Diego. I love San Diego. You know, it was, it was weird when I was in Seattle, I ended up breaking my foot back then. You couldn't get on injury reserve and then come back and play. And, um, I, I broke my foot at before the first game of the season. So, um, I was faced with another, another tough decision. And, um, I chose to take an injury settlement, which made me a free agent. And, you know, this goes back to play every play hard, be detailed. So um, I was contacted by San Diego later that year in 98. And uh, Greg Gaines called me and he was the player uh, personnel director. And uh, he still remembered me playing at Kentucky because he was from Tennessee. And uh, he saw me play against Peyton and the, the Tennessee Vols, our last game of the year. And uh, when he saw that I was a free agent, you know, he contacted me. But it goes back to what I tell all my young players. You play every play like it's your last play because you never know who's watching you. And just think if I would have taken, taken some plays off or not given everything um, all the time, maybe Greg Gaines wouldn't have saw me play or he wouldn't have seen the play that made him remember me. And uh, he calls me and he says, look, we want to bring you in for a uh, workout in San Diego. And I was dealing with turf toe and I just um, come off of a broken foot. So I went back. Um, I went out there, worked out, did really well. And he was, uh, you know, you need a, a advocate in the, front office for you and he was that advocate for me so i lasted uh, uh, a couple years at san diego before tearing my knee up but you know it's it just goes back to working hard being detailed and being a good person and a lot of people miss that that part of it the nfl is a business but at the end of the day uh 90 of the guys that play 
can be you can be replaced. There's only a few guys that are so uh, dynamic that they are hard to replace. For the most part, it's apples to apples. So that's where your character that 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 that's where um, who you are as a person really comes to uh, to help you in those situations. And uh, I've always believed that, and I think that's why I lasted. So now, you know, like I, I you know, I'm, I'm a um, retired Army veteran. After 23 years, I had to take off the uniform because I got hurt and could no longer fulfill my duties. So what was it like knowing that your football career was over? And what was the next step for you after you got out of the um, NFL? You know, I was um, I always considered myself a smart person and you know got along with people so you know once it was over I really it didn't hit me for a couple years because I I got busy on starting a business so I you know I I dove into that you know I think as when you play football your entire life and that's all it's ever been and uh, most guys they miss it you know immediately I, it took me a couple of years to really like really miss it. And uh, so I started, a, you know, my own business and start doing that stuff. And then I kind of, you know, started filling that itch and that void because now you're no longer in the locker room. No one's giving you a schedule. Um, we're having to make our own schedule, make our own way. So uh, the transition from the NFL to, I would say, civilian life, was definitely a difficult one because, you know, that's a game that I had played since I was nine. And now all of a sudden it's over and there's nothing that can replace that. And I don't care if you are starting a business, um, starting a youth league, there's nothing that can replace you being in the locker room with your peers. Now that was a question that I was, you know, I was up last night just thinking, you know, about our interview you know, a lot of people don't really know what it's like, you know, to be in an NFL locker room or, in, you know, and to be to being into a, a military locker room. So please take us into the into the locker room and what it's really like and not what people actually think it's like. I mean, it's 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 like a bunch of uh, kids playing. I mean, basically, you have a bunch of grown men that act like kids. Um, they play video games. Uh, they sit up and tell jokes on uh, uh, and and uh, you know uh, play with around with each other. That's what it's like. It's it's no different at every level. It's just now that we're just older, um, and that's the the beauty of it. It's a team game, just like in high school. You have your guys that you know you hang out with and you socialize with after, and uh, so I think you know. That's what the locker room is like. It's 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 different, you know. And anyone that's played sports, uh, a competitive um, team sport, they can understand what it's like being on a team. And you know, it's that NFL is no different. It's just the fact that now things are a little bit a uh, little bit more touchy as far as if you uh, if you're cut, you may not never get that opportunity again. And, you know, whether as in high school, you know, you can still play even if you're not the best. Um, you can still be a part of the team. The NFL, that's where, where the separation is. You know, you're always fighting for your life in, in a sense. 
Now, you've been in a lot of locker rooms, and I, I was talking to a, a, a gentleman. His name is Marquise Ogden. We were talking last week, and um, it's an, what an amazing person and story he has. But who is the one of the unsung heroes that you've had in that locker room that a lot of people may never heard of, but were like the heart and soul of a locker room? I would say my rookie year um... – Martin Mayhew really made a big impact on me. And I don't know if he knew that, but, um, you know, he would, I would always see him reading his newspaper. He's looking at his stocks and stuff. And I would always talk to him, uh, Martin Mayhew. And, um, yeah, I would say Martin and, and Charles Demery when I was young. And, um, when I was older, the guy that I looked at and was like, wow, uh, was Junior Seau. Junior was just yeah, I loved. He's my he was one of my favorite yeah. He, players. Junior was just oh, different, man. Oh, he was oh, just oh. different. He was just a a good guy. You know, you got a lot of guys that just um, I think sometimes fame go to their head. I've never been uh, uh, you know struck by fame, so I can meet anyone and not be uh, overwhelmed with meeting them. But Junior was that guy who was always down to earth. You could talk to him. Um, he didn't seem like he was the one of the best players in the league. He he studied, so he was like one of those guys that I personally got an opportunity to play with that I looked up to. Um, and and that's not many. I can't I can't tell you many because I've always paved my own way and I saw things my own way. But Junior was one of those guys that I would say, man, just just watching him be a, a pro really helped me um you know from afar now you've gotten i'm sure you've gotten your bell rung a couple times and gone through a couple concussions um have you ever had any problems with like memory loss and stuff like that definitely um i i am definitely in the concussion um uh lawsuit uh the nfl is that's one thing we say it's a business it's a business um i started noticing we're football players, so you know we we overlook a lot of pain and aches and you know things that go on. But your your spouse is the person that knows you. I've been with my wife since high school, so she knows me better than anyone. And uh, you know she was telling me things that I was doing that I just overlooked because I thought it was just a part of being, you know. <laughs> been getting older and you know just forgetfulness but um she's the one that really brought those things to my attention and and I do I was experiencing and still do headaches um uh memory loss for sure I I mean I've been left my keys running in the car and my car just stayed running all night it's it's been a lot of those type of incidents that you know now understanding I can document and and see that that's not something that's normal um because yeah. like i said you know we we are taught to um disregard a lot of those things so i didn't think it was nothing out of the ordinary but you know forgetting your keys or losing your wallet several times in a year and you know that wasn't something that was ordinary <laughs> yeah i get it i got i have a traumatic brain injury so i i totally get it so tell us about um, 2007, 
when you started your next level? What was that all about? Well, I I had another business. It was a transportation business. It wasn't um, it wasn't a passion. It was just something to do. Of something I felt like I needed to, you know, just get involved in something after not playing in the NFL. Um, so I've always wanted, you know, like I said, the coaching aspect of it. Um, that was something that I always wanted to do. So I started the training, had a, co- a few clients, um, and just started from there and just grew. I grew, kids start coming. And uh, next thing you know, it, it's, it's a business. And uh, I've been doing that for a while. And then now I added the uh, stay recruited, which helped. Now I want to help kids in my community become community leaders, um, understand how to recruit, get, get recruited by um, colleges. So we do a lot of different things um, in our program that's going to help kids and set them apart and, and just using sports as the vehicle without sports, I wouldn't be the person that I am. And I took those opportunities and I just made good on them. So I'm trying to help kids understand the things that I didn't understand early on. I want them to be able to understand those things now, get involved in their community because we are a big part of our community and we are leaders. So I want to make sure that they understand early, early on that they're leaders and they need to lead by example. And, and, uh, and, you know, and I definitely love that. Now, like I said, I bought your book uh, probably about two weeks ago when I knew we were going to talk. And it was amazing, you know, because I've interviewed a couple of coaches now that I have on there that, you know, when coaches are sitting in a, a recruits um, dining room or living room, that, you know, those parents are trusting their child with you. And it, and it was amazing, you know, because I've actually talked to some of the kids that you've actually recruited, helped recruit. And um, the biggest thing they said is that, you know, when you were sitting in that living room, that you wanted to teach those kids to be men. You wanted to not only coach, but also mentor. So can you please talk about coaching and mentorship? Oh, yeah. I mean- All right, we kind of lost you there a little bit. I think your phone muted. Locked, I mean. Are you there, my friend? I think your phone might have locked again. Yeah, guys, so what we're talking about is we're actually talking about mentorship and uh, coaching. And I think that was one thing that Tony Dungy also did a lot to a lot of players was teaching somebody how to be a man. So I think that's one thing. Okay. Yeah, I got you now, brother. All right. Sorry about that. Because you're that important. Whenever you're on the phone, everyone calls you. Yeah, um, you know, mentorship was definitely uh, a huge part 
of what it is that I wanted to accomplish with my programs. Um, like I told you before, um, coaching and mentorship go hand in hand because if, if I show these kids that I genuinely care about their success on and off the field, they're going to perform at higher levels. And uh, that's the same thing that happened to me when Okay. Now, one thing, you know, I've noticed a lot of people, you know, that are very highly successful, even as, you know, as they advance in their careers, they always looking for coaches and better coaches. So is it something that you have to be coachable? I guess he got another phone call. You know, but we're talking about, you know, sometimes you have to be humble and um, coachable. And no matter how old you get, like I just turned 52. And sometimes, you know, I have to find a coach in an area that I'm lacking in or not as good at. Like one of my coaches, I consider a coach or a mentor is Ed Milet. And he's probably one of the best speakers and orators that I know. And he actually helps with my speaking and talking to people and interviewing skills. Are you there, my brother? All right. I'm sure he's going to hop back on. He had a phone call go through. Um, so like I said, he played for Tampa Bay, which before he got there, if you remember, had those ugly uniforms. They had a losing culture. And when Tony Tony got there, they started changing the culture from the inside out. Because you can't change. Oh man, there you are. Everybody's trying to call me now. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> oh no, not at all. You know, I I totally understand. And I, you know, I was just telling the audience that you know sometimes when you're trying to change a culture, you have to change it from the inside out, not from the outside. Definitely, out. definitely. And then, especially when you're dealing with young, uh, young kids, young minded, um, because they have so many other influences going on in their lives. And you're trying to show them the a way of thinking from a 30 to 40 year old mindset, but they're, uh, you know, 15, 14, 15, 16 years old. So you have to be able to connect with them. If we kept, keep continue to think that we can use old school ways of coaching and mentoring and get the results that we are needing, we're, we're sadly mistaken. You have to assimilate to how kids are now. They're different than how we were when we, we came up. And I, I've discovered that, and that's why I try. Um, a, a, a different way of coaching, but I think for the most part, once they learn that you really actually care about them, they'll buy into whatever it is that you're trying to um, get them to do. And, you know, you seem like one of those old school coaches. And, you know, I love old school because I'm old school. You know, you know, I used to love when, uh, you know, Warwick Dunn scored a touchdown. He would just hand yeah, the ball off yeah. to the referee. Or, you know, Instead of, you know, you get a first down and all of a sudden you're celebrating 
every five minutes just for, you know, just getting a first down. So is that the kind of coach you are? Just like, you know, act like you've been there. Oh, definitely. I think that goes, I'm not going to say solely character, but I think that shows people uh, about your character. Act like you've been there before. Act like you've done it. Act like you've been successful before. And if you haven't ever been successful, but you act like you have, people will think that you are successful and more opportunities will come. So that's how I, I look at things. And, you know, when I'm working with my kids now, uh, we don't, you know, we don't do the, the fighting and the talking. And, and, you know, I always tell them, <clears throat> do your fighting on the field. You show them by your actions of what you're doing. You don't need to say anything. You know, I guess I love the story where, you know, Barry Sanders scored one of his first touchdowns and he started celebrating. And, we, and when he got back, got back home, his dad called him and totally uh, bitched him out and said, you know, act like you've been there. And then after that, he never celebrated. He just handed the ball off and, and went on to do his thing. And I think uh, I, that's a great thing in life to realize that, you know, you, you, you're, you came far, but you're not so far where you cannot be humble. And I think that's something about you. I think I've heard that word used a lot was, was a, you were very, a very humble individual. Oh, definitely. Can you I've talk about been, that and being humble? I've in always life been and humble. And I think to a point, <laughs> sometimes too humble because I, for the longest, I wouldn't even tell people that I played football after I, I was retired. And I think using, using the shield because they've used us as I look at it as, you know, we, Yes, you make good money while you're playing, but the the NFL for most people don't set you up for the rest of your life. But being humble and being able to utilize what we've accomplished to set yourself apart in life and in business is not a bad thing. And for the longest, I looked at that as um, bragging. So I would never say... Uh, you know, I played in the NFL, opposed to using that as a um, a tool to become more successful. Um, but I'm learning here now, it's not being, it's not that I'm not being humble about it. It's just the way um, that I need to use that as a, a I would say, um, to build relationships. Uh, you can build a lot more relationships saying that, you know, yeah, I used to play in the NFL because some people look at that differently. I, I always looked at it as, as maybe bragging, but um, a lot of my friends told me it's not really bragging because you're not that type of person. So who is that one? And I think I know who it is, but who is it that one person that instilled in you to have a heart of service? Because you seem to have a heart of service and you seem to, seem to be a man of faith. So who is that one person that, that when you were younger really oh, definitely got that my mom. into your soul? Definitely my mom. Um, you know, she worked her butt off and still to this day works her butt off. But it was she's always um, told me that you have to be humble. You have to uh, show gratitude, um, giving back. So it was just something that was instilled in me early, early on. And I just continued to carry that. Um, I think giving back, actually, that's more fulfilling to me than anybody 
coming to me about something that I've done in my career or um, any accomplishment of writing a book and being becoming a bestseller. My um, best accomplishments were when I was when a kid calls me and says, "Coach, you changed my life." I'm you know, I'm in college, uh, I got a full ride scholarship. Those things mean more to me than anything that I've, you know, accomplished personally. It really does. It really affects you in a different way. So what is R Reggie doing in this world that we live in in 2021? What do you have? What do you got going on? Yeah, what so are you I'm doing still now? working my um, nonprofit organization, and now we're adding um, – our own youth leagues. Um, that way we can mentor kids. Um, we don't have to go through the schools and we're still, we're partnering with some schools. Uh, we got a school, a couple of schools that we partner with where we can get those kids and, and work on the mentoring and work on the community leadership. What's the, what is the name of it? It's called State and I named it Stay Recruited okay. because I don't want kids to just get recruited. I want them to stay recruited by having uh, work ethic, by having discipline, and also being humble. Um, you know, you see kids, they go, they earn these uh, scholarships, and then they get in some type of trouble, and they ruin it for themselves. So Stay Recruited is is teaching them, you know, basically – how to leverage your your athleticism and earn a free education. Okay, I have a football question to ask. Um, you know, because like I said, I'm, I'm a football geek. Um, what are your feelings on you, you get a, a kid that plays for a, a college team for four years, they make it to a bowl and decide to sit out the bowl and get ready for the uh, – um, get ready for the NFL. What are your um, thoughts you know, on that? Early on, I probably wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, early on, I probably would have said something. But now having a better understanding, I would say that's a business decision. And um, I'm actually fine with that. I hate the fact that they're leaving their team um, sort of hanging. But you have to look at the business decision that is made because that opportunity, what happens if the kid goes and he gets hurt? Now he's ruined the one opportunity to make it into the NFL um, for himself. And we've seen that happen before. So I try to talk to kids about, because the NCAA as well as the NFL are business decisions. They're businesses and they make decisions for their business all the time. So when a kid has to make, because we're all our own brand. So sometimes these kids have to make decisions that may not be liked by many, but it's a business decision that that's best for that person. You know, um, so I would say if a kid has to sit out his senior year, he's getting ready to go into the NFL draft I wouldn't have a problem with it as long as he's talked it over with his coach. He's talked it over with his team and everyone knows the situation. Okay. Last, you know, last question is football related. Um, do you think that, uh,
NCAA players, which I think they should, but do you think that they should get a stipend every month? Because, you know, NCAA is making so much money off of them. Do you think that they should get a little kickback so they're not starving when they're, when they're sitting there and having to worry about where they're going to, you know, eat? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's a very fine line. It's a very fine line. I was an NCAA athlete, and we were starving. You know, truly, I wasn't a guy that was getting kickbacks and things of that nature. Now, there's some kids that may get kickbacks. They may make money. I don't know. And, you know, I, I know it goes on. But for for most athletes um, that are on scholarship, you're still <laughs> you're still poor. You're still uh, missing meals. Uh, Shamely, you know, that's how it is sometimes. But um, I'm kind of. I, I love that, brother. So how can we find you? How can we support you? And how can we support your mission? Oh, man. I mean, just, uh, you know, uh, you giving me this opportunity uh, is, is great. Um, you can definitely go to my website at www.thestudentathlete.org, thestudentathlete.org and purchase a copy of uh, my book. And, um, you know, I'm in Texas, so if there's any kids that need a program to get into that uh, that looks out for the kids and the parents uh, and the families, um, I would uh, definitely appreciate any uh, anyone that, that's interested. I love that. Now, if, you know... We're so, we live in such a crazy world, you know. We got parents taking care of kids. We got grandparents trying to homeschool kids, and you know, if I ask somebody to do something in the next seven days, they're they're more likely not going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to make take an actionable step in the next twenty four hours, they're more likely to. So if you know somebody that's struggling, whether in business or in life in general. What can they do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help? I think we cut out again. So guys, definitely check out Reggie, check out his book check out what he's got going on guys i want to thank war cry apparel for for supporting our mission supporting the podcast definitely check them out war cry w-a-r-c-r-y apparel.com definitely check them out guys check out reggie check out what he's doing his book is amazing i love you guys thank you so much have a blessed day Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life 
and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum.